Good stuff. All right. That uh, song's going right along with our Bible study tonight. Uh, Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17 is where we're going to start at. And uh, we're definitely going to dive into some scripture. And uh, because uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, you find all the way from Genesis uh, through the book of Revelation. And this is one of the key, key doctrines uh, of, of a believer. And uh, yes, obviously of, of Baptist, but also. Uh, of uh, any believer, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, this has got to be part of your belief system. And so we're going to look at this tonight, Leviticus chapter 17, and uh, the whole chapter really uh, talks about uh, this subject, but we're just going to look at one verse tonight, and then we'll uh, uh, get into the Bible study. So if you find your place, stand with me together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God, Leviticus chapter 17, and we're going to look at verse 11, verse 11. The Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. God, I ask you to speak to us, Lord. I pray that you would show yourself mighty in our behalf tonight, Lord, as we open your word. I ask that you'd speak to us, God. We need to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that you would allow us, God, to have our hearts and minds open, uh, Lord, to the truth tonight. And we sure do love you. We sure do thank you. We sure do praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And truth be told, folks, the whole Bible study we've been doing on the tabernacle, uh, I guess if there's one thing uh, that it kind of resolves around, it would be what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is the doctrine of the blood atonement. The doctrine of the blood atonement. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, there is one thing that uh, uh, you can uh, not not believe in to be saved, and that's the blood. I can tell you that. Amen. There may be other areas where uh, Christians differ on some things, uh, but if uh, you're going to be saved, I promise you this, you're only coming through the blood. Amen. And so it's all throughout the Scripture, and uh, we're going to kind of look at it tonight. And of course, uh, all aspect of the tabernacle had to do with the blood. Uh, the blood was applied in the consecration of the priest. And again, eventually we'll probably get to some of that and look at all of these. Uh, but the blood uh, was applied when the priests were consecrated. Blood was applied in the burnt offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering. It was used to cleanse and sanctify the brazen altar. The blood was applied on the Day of Atonement just as the first covenant, which was the law, was dedicated with blood. By the way, so is the new covenant, or uh, what we call the New Testament. Amen? And that new covenant, of course, uh, was uh, was uh, uh, instituted well, not with the bloods of animals, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but of course with the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now again, notice what our text says tonight. It says that it's the blood that maketh an atonement, for the soul. Now again, remember folks, as mankind, we are made in three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit. And it's uh, our soul uh, that must be saved. And by the way, the soul is the real you, okay? Uh, the body is just the house the real you lives in. And, remember, and let me just remind you of this, and, and we, we, need to, we need to be reminded of it from time to time, and it kind of helps us understand the struggle, but our body does not get saved, Amen. In fact, there's a reason Jesus said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. This body right now that we're living in, it's not going with us. Amen? It's not going with us. That's why when we when a person dies, okay, death, by the way, is simply it just means separation. What's being separated? Okay? The real you, your soul, is being separated from your body. 
And by the way, the real you, whether you're saved or lost, is going to have another body that it's living in. Whether it's saved or lost. Either going to be uh, living in a glorified body that's going to experience the joys of heaven for all eternity, or you'll be living in some kind of other body that will experience the torments of hell for all eternity. And we know it's true because Luke chapter 16, when Jesus Christ peeled back the veil and lets us see into uh, what happens after a person dies, hey, that rich man in hell, man, you go back and read about that. Uh, he talked about being tormented in the flame, and that torture, all he desired. Remember what he said? For a, a drop of water to be put upon his tongue. Hey, he was in some kind of body in hell. And so, uh, uh, when it talks about that only the soul is atoned, or uh, uh, can be made, uh, excuse me, can make an atonement for the soul, it's talking about that part of us that's eternal. Amen? And remember when God made man, He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now listen, because we have a soul, because we're going to live eternally, you know what? Our soul must be redeemed. Amen? Or it must be atoned for. By the way, that word atonement, that, that, that's a special word. It means to cover. It means to cancel, cleanse, forgive. It means to pardon. And when those Israelites brought those animal sacrifices, uh, it was a temporary covering that was part to the permanent covering that was one day going to happen. Amen? By the way, the people in the Old Testament were saved the way we're saved. They were saved by looking forward to the cross. We are saved by looking backwards at the cross. Amen? But listen, that sign of bringing that animal sacrifice was a picture that they had faith in blood atonement. And now, fortunately, praise God, we don't have to bring animals because Jesus' blood covered it all. Amen? And His blood was perfect. So, uh, this is the basis of the blood atonement. By the way, this was established all the way back in Genesis. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? And uh, they hid themselves from God. By the way, how foolish do mankind think they can hide from God Almighty? But you know what? Mankind hasn't learned their lessons, but man's still trying to hide from God today. Listen, we can't hide from God. Amen? And Adam and Eve couldn't hide from God. And you know what? They realized immediately once they sinned, the Bible tells us that, they realized they were naked. They realized their shame. And they tried to cover their shame. But you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what God intended. Amen? And uh, so God had to cover them, the Bible says, in coats of skins. You know what? Think about that for a minute. Where did those skins come from? They came from an animal. They came from a blood sacrifice. And all throughout the Bible then, uh, the only way for mankind to be able to have access to God was through the blood. Remember Cain and Abel, uh, back uh, at that story. And uh, Abel uh, brought up the firstling of the flock. was the right, the, the, the right sacrifice. It was a blood sacrifice. But Cain brought the first, the first fruits of the ground. Again, what was that about? It was, it was Cain saying this, God, you need to accept what I say you ought to accept. But guess what? It ain't the way it works, amen? Remember what I've said before? Ain't nobody making any deals with God. You either come to God His way or you don't come at all. And so Abel brought the blood sacrifice. God accepted the sacrifice. God rejected Cain's sacrifice because it wasn't the blood sacrifice. All throughout the Scripture... You find that there. So here's what we're going to do for a few moments tonight. I'm going to take you through and show you some places, mainly in the New Testament, because that's where we're living at today. Amen? That's the relevant, uh, the relevancy of where we're at. We're in the New. And so let's first of all take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. 
It's all good, folks. I could preach over any screaming kid. I can tell you that. Amen. Yeah, it ain't gonna distract me. Don't let it distract you. Okay, it's all good. Not not like you've never heard a kid cry before. Amen. Matthew chapter twenty-six and uh, verse twenty-eight. Now, the, uh, where the context of this is uh, is the Last Supper. Matthew chapter twenty-six, verse twenty-eight, and we call it the Last Supper. But really, what it is, it was the Passover meal. By the way, the Passover meal, again, what are we talking about tonight? I'm talking about the blood. Remember I told you it's all throughout the Scripture, amen? Remember back in Exodus when God was going to kill the firstborn? And the only thing that would save any firstborn from being slain, remember what it had to be? The blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost. By the way, you think that was an accident? You think God just randomly picked something out of his mind uh, to be a symbol for the death angel of Passover? What did that represent, folks, Amen. I love the hymn we sing, and it comes from the Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And by the way, anybody that was in a house that had the blood over the doorpost were saved from destruction. By the way, anybody that has the blood applied to their sin, praise God, is still saved from destruction. But Jesus here was having the last Passover meal with His disciples. By the way, pretty interesting, this week, all right, uh, that that uh, on the calendar year, uh, that uh, uh, as we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, this coming Sunday, this was going on that week some 2,000 years ago. By the way, let me just help you with something, okay? Jesus did not die on Friday. I'm taking a sidetrack here, but that's okay, amen? Sometimes we need to be educated on some things. We need to stop allowing the Catholic Church to define Bible doctrine for us. Yes, amen? By the way, that needs to be said a whole lot more. And Because uh, I'm going to tell you, I hear all kinds of things that people say and they believe, and if you start tracing the roots back to it, it goes back to the Catholic Church. For example, people say to me all the time, or I've had this question asked me a lot, uh, if a person commits suicide, do they go to hell? Okay, I'll give you the, the biblical answer to that, no. Okay, there's people that committed suicide in the Bible. Uh, for example, Samson. Samson committed suicide. He's in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah. Amen? And so all that to say, by the way, Saul even, even though he is a rebellious, wicked king, remember what Samuel said to him when the witch of Endor pulled up Samuel? And I believe it was Samuel she pulled up. God allowed it to happen. Samuel said, uh, by tomorrow at this time, my and my sons will be with me. Even though he was a wicked king, he was still saved. He was still a believer in God. Okay? So all that to say, suicide doesn't send a person to hell. Amen? What sends a person to hell is not believing in Jesus Christ, or as we're talking about tonight, not having your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now all that to say, Jesus died not on Friday, because how... how Remember what he said? He said, for, uh, just as the uh, prophet Jonah was in the belly of the well, so the Son of Man, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, eh? I'm not quoting, all right, will be in the heart of the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Okay, so if we just use some logical math here, how could Jesus be in the group Friday? Okay, he died Wednesday. Okay, so yesterday would have been the day that Jesus hung on the cross and died. Uh, he uh, went on the cross at 9 a.m., he died at 3 p.m., okay? The Bible teaches that, talking about the hours of the day. By 6 o'clock that night, he was in the grave because the Jewish day started at 6 p.m. The book of Genesis tells us that the evening and the morning were the first day. We start our day at 12 a.m. Uh, the Jews started their days at 6 p.m., and the 24 hours time period was from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Figure it up, do the math. 
Three days, three nights. He died on Wednesday, rose Sunday morning. Amen? And so there you go. That's Bible. Okay? And isn't it amazing if you just uh, start going back to the Bible, how all that lines out and all the answers are there. Amen? And so anyway, I just want to kind of throw that out there because, you know what, truth be told, some people just don't know. Maybe they've never heard that before. Uh, but anyway, you heard it just now. Amen? So back off that rabbit trail, back where we're going at. All right? Matthew chapter 26. I'm never going to get through all these verses tonight, but that's okay. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Jesus here is having the Passover with his disciples, and he's trying to teach them what this is all about. Now, hopefully, they, they kind of have an idea about this because they, they, they're, they're Jews. They ought to know this, but he is reaffirming to them what the Passover is. And notice what he says, and let's uh, actually go back to verse 26. And by the way, uh, it also says this exact thing, same thing in the book of Mark, the book of Luke, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the passage I read before we have our communion service, it's all talking about this event right here, okay? Here's what he says. It says this in verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remissions of sins. And I love verse 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine. By the way, so many rabbit trails here, okay? You want to know what the word wine's talking about, okay? Two, two meanings of the word wine in the Bible, okay? Again, let's let the Bible define itself, okay? Wine, as in the book of Proverbs, where it talks about look not upon the wine when it, when it moveth itself aright in the cup, talking about fermented wine, okay, or alcohol. Okay, Jesus calls it here the fruit of the vine. Okay, and that was also, uh, that word wine was also interpreted fruit of the vine. Okay, and so, I mean, come on, folks, do you really think Jesus Christ would be sitting at the Passover eating bread and drinking fermented alcohol with his disciples that represented his precious blood? Come on, how blasphemous is it to say that fermented wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ? That's blasphemous, amen? Blasphemous, okay? And by the way, just in case you're wondering, I'll be preaching about it here before too long because it's on my list to preach about, okay? God is against, the Bible is against all form of alcohol. Amen? Right. All form of fermentation. Okay? And listen, we as Christians ought to stay away from it. Amen. And preachers ought to be preaching more about it. Amen? Yes, God ain't for it. The Bible doesn't teach it. And people that try to justify social drinking and other types of alcohol, they're ignorant yes. of biblical truth. Right. There it is. Amen? We'll talk more about that later on. Okay? But where I'm going with this is where Jesus said, this is, my, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. And so that is actual, the real blood of Jesus Christ that was in his veins. Okay? But it's what that juice represented and what he was about to do. Amen? By the way, that bread, when he said, this is my body, when they ate of that, that uh, unleavened bread, they weren't literally eating a piece of Jesus himself. By the way, the Catholics teach that. Yeah. They teach something called transubstantiation. And they literally believe when they take their communion, by the way, which is fermented wine, by the way. Right. Okay? I'm not just trying to bash Catholics here. Amen. I promise you I'm not. I'm just teaching biblical truth. Yeah. And by the way, if biblical truth contradicts the Catholic Church, I know what I'm standing with. Amen. Yeah. And by the way, it shouldn't bother you either. Yeah. It shouldn't bother you. Amen. Listen, I, I love I love Catholic people. I really do. I'm going to tell you, the majority of Catholic people are on their way to hell. 
They do not believe what the Bible says when it comes to biblical salvation. They don't believe it. Amen? Now, again, I'm not trying to just go on that tangent there, but we need biblical truth. Amen? And so, uh, Jesus, though, this represented communion, or the Last Supper, the Passover, represented what His body was going to be as it was broken, and His blood that was going to be shed. By the way, I want you to notice this word here, and we're going to see this a lot tonight. That is the word shed. Amen? His blood was shed. I looked that word up today. That's a pretty interesting word. Let me tell you what that word shed means. It means to pour forth. It means to gush out. It means to run greedily is what it means. Okay, you know what he was trying to tell them? That his death, that he's about ready to die, listen, was going to be a very, very bloody event. Okay, if you've ever seen a movie or a show or a picture that's supposed to talk about the crucifixion, let me tell you right now, you've never seen anything close to the real thing. Never, 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 never. Okay, let me tell you right now, what Jesus went through wasn't just a little blood running down his brow. Wasn't just a couple little, you know, little bit of blood on his hands and feet. The Bible says his visage was so marred, Isaiah tells us, he even looked like a man. I mean, literally looked like a piece of meat hanging there. When that said his blood was shed, that's what it means, amen? It was shed for us. And by the way, I've taught you this before, but the reason it had to be shed, folks, because Jesus Christ had to give it all to pay for our sin. All his blood had to be shed, and it was. And by the way, the reason it was such a horrific death is because he took all the pain. He took all the payment for sin for all the world. By the way, that's why you never have to hurt yourself, because Jesus Christ already took the hurt for you. Amen? There's a lot of different things out there where people do to try to you know, make themselves feel better. They feel guilty about this, and, and they hurt themselves. They cut themselves and do other things to hurt themselves. Listen, folks, that's why Jesus suffered and bled so much, so He took your pain for you. Amen? Amen. Listen, it's all about trusting in what He did for us. Amen. So you find this about the Passover in Matthew 26. You find it in Mark 14. Excuse me, Luke 22 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go to the book of John, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. By no means will we exhaust this tonight, folks. There's just so much, amen? It's all throughout the Bible. But we're just going to look at a few of the high points tonight. John chapter 6. And of course, uh, uh, and I love this too because it's so interesting. This goes right back to what we're studying on the tabernacle. Um, and, and I think maybe we might do it, okay? And again, there's so many different directions I'm trying to go with our Bible studies. But there are, I believe, seven different times, and I could be wrong the number, I think it's seven, where Jesus said, I am the, and he said he was something, okay? Well, this is interesting. In John chapter 6, okay, look at verse 47, all right? And uh, again, folks, this is not an accident by any means. John chapter 6, verse 47, notice what Jesus says here. He said this, he says, Verily, verily, uh, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Okay, by the way, look at that word, hath. It doesn't say you will have, as in future tense. It says hath, as in, guess what? Present tense. So the moment you get saved is the moment you have everlasting life. I'm going to tell you, you know what that speaks of? Eternal security is what that speaks of. Amen, folks. Listen, you don't get eternal life when you die. If you're saved, you got it right now. Amen? Right now. But here's where I'm going. Verse 48. I am that bread of life. And by the way, remember what we've been talking about in the tabernacle? Remember what sat on the right side of the tabernacle when you walked in? We talked about it. That table of showbread. 
Remember what that was a representation of? It was a representation of what Jesus said right here. And by the way, all the I am's that he said he was is represented in the tabernacle. Every Remember I am the door? Remember we talked about that? How many ways into the tabernacle? One, I am the light of the world. What did that, uh, uh, that candlestick represent? The light of the tabernacle? Listen, folks, it all points to him. Amen. I am that bread of life. Now let's keep reading. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's, car- car- that's carnality. Well, what's he talk- talking about? Are oh, we going to go up and take a bite of his arm? Well, that's literally what they're thinking here. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. What's Jesus saying? Are we all supposed to be vampires? Is that what he's saying? No, folks, he's talking about the fact that you accept who he is, what he did, his broken body, his shed blood, as an atonement for your sins. That's what he's talking about here. Okay? Verse 55. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers that eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Again, folks, he's talking about his death, his sacrifice, telling you that unless you're all in, and what he did for you, you ain't going to heaven. Amen? That's why it's not Jesus plus anything. Okay? And listen, folks, there's a lot of sincere people out there, but they believe sincerely wrong. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe you've got to be baptized and do this and do that. No! It's not Jesus plus this plus nothing. Amen? It's his body. It's his blood. That is it. Amen? That is it. It's the only hope we have of, of having atonement for our sins. That's a powerful passage of Scripture there. Romans chapter 3. Let's go there real quick. Romans chapter 3. Of course, Romans, I've taught you this. Romans is our book of doctrine. It's where our belief system comes out. It's the constitution, if you will, of our belief system. Romans chapter 3. Let's look, if you will, at verse 25. Pretty familiar passage of Scripture. We use quite a bit of this when we're leading someone to Christ. But there's a lot in this. Okay, We know what verse 23 says. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace, here we go, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation. And we talked about that last week. Through faith, here it is, in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Let me tell you what the common denominator of all this is, folks. It's the blood that was shed. Amen? Listen, if you have any... Um, uh, if you have any hope of being saved, it's it's through faith. Notice you saw grace, saw faith in there. What is the grace and by faith in? It's in the blood, shed blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. Flip over there if you will. Romans chapter 5. I love it. Verse 8. Man, one, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad that Bible doesn't say there, why were we yet perfect, Christ died for us? 
Are you kidding me, folks? Listen, there ain't nobody that would have been, been able to be salvation if it had to do with our own perfection. Amen? No. He, 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 he proved, He demonstrated His love, and He died for us even though we were sinners. Let's, let's, let's look at the, verse, the, the next verse. Verse 9. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Again, doctrine's taught in those verses. There's that word just, uh, justified. I've taught you that word before. Justification, the doctrine of justification. It means this, just as if I've never sinned. Amen? So when God looks at me, because of Christ's death, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, He doesn't see my sin anymore. You know what He sees? He sees the perfect record of His Son, Jesus Christ. The song we sing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? Why? Because of His shed blood. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's turn over there. Ephesians 1. Again, folks, this is not just a you know, pastoriser thing. This isn't just a Baptist thing. This is a Bible thing. That's right. Amen? All throughout the Scripture. There it is. Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Notice what he says. Here we go. There's that word redemption again. In whom we have redemption through... His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Let me tell you what the commentary you always find. Grace, faith, the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, they're all near each other all throughout the Scripture. Okay? Amen. Praise God for that. Redemption through His blood. That's why we're redeemed. That's why we're bought back from the devil. That's why we're bought back from sin. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation 1, verse 5. Of course, uh, this is the revealing. Even though your Bible may say the revelation of St. John the Divine, listen folks, this, isn't, this is not the revealing of John. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we know that's true. Look at the first verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's, it's His revealing, Okay? This is, this is right here is what Israel was looking for the first time, but they missed the fact that he first had to come as a lamb before he could come as a lion. By the way, remember what I taught you? These, most of the book of Revelation, are future events. Okay? God allowed John, if you want to say this, to time travel and see what was going to happen in the future. Okay? So is time travel possible? Sure, the Apostle John did it. Okay? And so, don't think it's going to happen to you, okay? And uh, don't think just because you get in a cool car and go 88 miles an hour, you're going to go back to back in time. It ain't going to happen. A few of you know what I'm talking about, amen? Shame on me for knowing what we're all talking about, all right? Revelation, though, look what he says down in verse 5, okay? And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead. By the way, that's an awesome truth right there, okay? The Bible says that he was, and again, I'm not preaching Sunday, so I'm going to talk about the resurrection for a minute, amen? And, uh, but, but that he is the first fruits, okay? Now, if you understand the Jewish harvest, there were three parts of the Jewish harvest, okay? There was the first fruits, all right? And that would be, uh, like, for example, you know, some of you may be getting ready to put a garden out. Hopefully you haven't yet, because it's probably dead if you have, all right? But you're going to get ready to put a garden out, okay? You know how it is. Sometime in summer, uh, you'll have when the tomatoes start turning a little bit, and you'll have what's called the first fruits, the first beginning of the garden, okay? But that's not the main harvest. And so the Jewish 
in, in Jewish culture, uh, even, even to this day, uh, it, it's still true. But in agriculture, you had the first fruits, then you had the main harvest, then you had the gleanings, what was, what was kind of left over at the end. Okay, Jesus was the first begotten of the dead. He was the first fruits. So his resurrection was the first resurrection. And guess what? Guess what's going to be the main harvest? The rapture of the church. Amen? And that's why we know it has to happen because Jesus set the precedence by raising from the dead. Amen? He was the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, here we go, you ready? And washed us from our sins in his own blood. Washed us in his, uh, from our sins in his own blood. Listen, folks, there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power in it. Amen? That's why we sing that song. There's power in the blood. I love that song. And if you're from the South, it's par in the blood. Amen? Par, par, par. Wonder-working power. There's power in the blood. You better believe there is. There's power to forgive us of our sins. Not only that, let me show you some more power that's in it. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Let's look at this power, amen? This is talking about the, the, uh, the tribulation saints. And I'm not teaching prophecy tonight, uh, or a whole lot of it anyway, but there will be people saved during the tribulation period, amen? By the way, not if they've already heard the gospel. Okay? If you've already heard the gospel, you'll believe the lie that's coming, the great delusion. Okay? Again, we're not getting into that tonight, but the context of this verse is the tribulation saints. Those that are saved during the tribulation period. By the way, you get saved in the tribulation period, you pay for it with your life. Right. With your life. Yeah. And the Bible tells us how. They're beheaded. Okay? They're literally off with their head for salvation during the tribulation period. Why in the world would you even want to gamble with that? Why would you not just get saved now? Amen? Right. Amen. By the way, if you've heard the gospel now, you're not going to be saved then anyway because you'll believe the lie of the Antichrist. Right. I don't care what the left behind books say. It's not biblical. Right. What's biblical? That's what we need to stick with. Amen. Okay, here we go. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they, the tribulation saints, overcame him by, number one on the list, the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. The blood of the Lamb. Talk about overcoming Satan here. Amen. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And that's an outline right there. Amen. By the way, this still is good for us today. You want to overcome Satan? You know what it's going to take? It's going to take the blood of the Lamb. Amen. It's going to take power, that power to that you uh, God has forgiven your sin by, but also the power of the blood that you live by. Amen. By the way, you ought to declare uh, and pray over and and, and uh, uh, make a statement of the blood of Jesus Christ over anything and everything. Amen. Mm-hmm. Part of what I do when I pray here on Sunday morning, I plead the blood over this place for the service on Sunday morning. I plead the blood. You know why? Because that's how we can overcome Satan. Amen. By the by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And by the way, you know what? Your testimony is important. It's very important. It means something. It's powerful, by the way. Who, what God's done for you. And by the way, not just what you say with your mouth, what you back up with your life. That's important, amen? Okay, the word of their testimony. And notice this, they loved not their lives unto the death. You know what they understood? They understood there's something greater than the life they were living then. They lived for things of eternal value. Amen? What a, what a wonderful formula to be able to overcome the devil. But again, what's number one on that list? The blood of the Lamb. All right, we're going to close it out. One more passage. Let's go. Uh, we got five minutes left. Let's go back to the book of James. Uh, the book of James. 
And uh, let's see here. Let's, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Not James. Hebrews. I'm sorry, Hebrews. Uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. It was the book before James, all right? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9. Now, I do not have time by any means to, to go through this whole chapter here, okay? But this whole chapter goes into great detail about the tabernacle, what it represented, and how it temporarily covered sin, and then the perfect uh, sacrifice of what Jesus Christ did that covered our sin for us. Now, let me tell you what's interesting in this. This is what we're going to look at here for a minute, all right? Let's see. Let's pick it up in verse 11. Verse 11. It says this, but Christ, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, but Christ being uh, come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now again, I've taught you this before, but repetition is the key to learning. Amen? Remember, what did Jesus do after he resurrected? Okay, remember when he saw Mary Magdalene and he told her not to touch him. Why? He said, because I have not yet ascended to my Father. You know what he had to do once he resurrected? One of the things he did, he went to heaven and he put his blood on the mercy seat of heaven. Amen. By the way, it's still there today. Always will be. Amen. And that's why we can have forgiveness of our sin because the perfect blood of Jesus Christ was put on that great mercy seat in heaven. Remember the tabernacle on earth and all the pieces of furniture were a, 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 a picture or a shadow of what, of what God showed Moses from heaven. So all that was there. All that is there. Amen? And Jesus Christ went there and He put His blood on the mercy seat, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Let's keep reading. For the blood, verse 13, of bulls and of goats and ashes of heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead words to serve the living God. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament, New Testament and the Old Testament, because what Christ did was the New Testament. Now I'm going to explain this. It's very interesting. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is no more strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. What in the world does that mean? What is a testator? Okay? Again, I did some studying on that today. It's very interesting. When it's talking about a testament, it's talking about a will. Like, for example, what do we even call it today? A last will and testament. By the way, if you have a will written out, you don't need a will if you're alive. Right? A will's not for when you're alive. A will is for after you're dead. Right? And what Jesus did through the shedding of His blood, okay, and when He died, He sealed that for everybody, and he sealed it with his death. And you know what? It was the Testament now. What is the New Testament? It's the New Testament that, hey, through the death of Jesus Christ, through his broken body, through his shed blood, mankind can have eternal forgiveness of their sin and have direct access to the Father. And you know how? It wasn't just, listen, folks, if Jesus just would have said that, yes, it would have been true, but he couldn't have just have said it. He had to prove it by shedding his blood on the cross. Right, yeah. And then three days later, resurrected from the grave. And by the way, his death, his resurrection, was 
what was the death of the testator that brought the testament into force. And that's why it says, verse 18, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. Blood was in the Old Testament. And when it says the first testament, it's talking about what's going on in the Old Testament. Okay? Because it came first. Alright? It was all about blood. Verse 19, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God had joined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It goes right back to what we read in the book of Leviticus, that it's the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. Without the blood, there's no hope of salvation. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. He's saying, look, blood, blood the, the blood of bulls, uh, bulls and goats and all that wasn't good enough for the mercy seat in heaven. Something better had to happen. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Listen, folks. He didn't go into a tabernacle physically and that Moses had erected in the wilderness, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He went to the one that really mattered, to the one in heaven. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, here we go, once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put sin by the sacrifice of himself. Listen, folks, once for all. Once for all. He suffered one time. By the way, the blood, the sacrifice in the Old Testament over and over and over and over again. But Jesus didn't have to die over and over and over again. He died once, put his blood in the mercy seat, and God says, paid in full. Paid in full. By the way, that's why I'm not a big fan of you know uh, these uh, pictures with Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. He's still not on the cross, folks. What are you talking about? Okay, he's not on the cross. Now, I'm not against the cross itself. we got him around here. It symbolizes our victory. It symbolizes our hope. Amen? The cross of Jesus Christ on which he shed his blood on. But Jesus Christ still isn't on the cross. Amen? No. He died. And, and, and his blood, when he, when he rose, he put it in heaven. And it was good enough. Amen? Not over and over. It doesn't have to happen often. Once for all. Amen. That's the power in the blood. Amen? Amen? And by the way, that's what we're saved by, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so you know what? We ought to treat it as sacred. We ought to understand the importance of it. And by the way, it ought to be one of those things that ought to be a, a conviction of ours. You know, there literally are churches that take out any uh, uh, book in the hymn book that has any mention of the blood. Let me tell you what you will never, ever, ever, ever find in these contemporary, happy, clappy, cotton candy churches. You'll never find their 7-Eleven songs talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. Ever. Because you know what? That stuff, folks, it's just fluff is all it is. Amen. They don't want to be talking. You know why? Because if you start talking about blood, you got to start talking about sin. God forbid we don't feel good about ourselves and talk about sin. Well, you know what, folks? By, by facing the blood, we got to face our sin. But it's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing because the blood's powerful enough to forgive us of our sin. Amen? So there you go. A lot more we can talk about, but we're done for tonight. Praise God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you.